Well, we have a chance to finish out this uh, series. I don't know if you're going to finish it out. You can go where you want to go after I'm out of here, Meredith. But uh, we're going to be finishing, coming to a, let's put it this way, a very important point in the story of Exodus. Uh, The theme for this series I've been doing in Exodus is saved to serve. Just like Alex told us, you and I are made for a reason to give glory to God and to go out and be God's word in those to, among those in the world. And today we come to a pivotal point because the people come to Sinai and here they begin to hear what it is that God has done for them and also what God will do through them if they remain faithful to the covenant. So hear now this piece of scripture. Here's the word of the Lord. On the third new moon, third month, after the Israelites had gone out of the land of Egypt, so they've been gone three months now, on that very day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They had journeyed from Rephidim, entered the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord, Yahweh, called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and I brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words you shall speak to the Israelites. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thanks be to you. As I look out with you today, this is going to be my last Sunday with you. Uh, 20 months ago, we started together in February, and who knew what we'd go through together over these last 20 months. But you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, have weathered the storm, the waters, the rain that fell down, the wind that blew. I think of uh, Jesus in uh, Matthew 7 uh, that blows upon the, the rock. You have been built upon the rock of this church. And as I look out at you, I think of many memories and ways that you have reached out to me, and you will bless your new pastor with that. I'm looking over here at Dale and Pam. I've been up to your house and had a wonderful time with you. And just yesterday, I sat with Susan at the football game. Sorry you, you weren't there, Fred. But uh, we had a good time, and we helped him one. And I look around here, and I see other people that, Judy, and you had a chance to, to say goodbye to your mother uh, and have a wonderful time. And I'm looking at it, various other Bill Craig and Sue. And if I miss you, it's not because I don't love you. It's because I'm, my eyes are getting old. McLaurin's, I loved your muscadine sauce the other day. I had some on. I was telling Barb, this is great. This is very interesting. You ever eat muscadine sauce? It's wonderful. And I look back here right behind you, Brenda, with the plum 
not the plum, but the fig jelly that uh, we had. And as I look back and I'm seeing various people all the way back, my eyesight's growing dim way back there. Anyway, I want to thank all of you for the joys you've brought into my life and our life as we have been together. You are a blessed church. The Lord has given you many blessings, and now you get a chance to act them out in this new chapter of your life. Here's what I want to say today. God's purposes are far, far greater than getting us, and by us I mean First Presbyterian Church, out of trouble and bringing us to safety, although that's a good thing. God's purposes in the world are to get everyone out of trouble and bring them to safety. And God's purpose is to do it through you. Pray with me. Almighty Spirit sent from the Father, come into this place, and as we hear your word, do your thing. Move among these people so that they may hear your word and get up and obey and follow you. For we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Here's a question I want to ask you today, and one you should be asking all the time. What is the purpose of a church? What's the purpose of a church? Have you ever thought long and hard about why you are here or you're watching on the video stream? Why is this building here? Why will you pledge financially in a few weeks? I'm sitting as I came in this morning. Uh, Meredith and Vanessa were sitting in uh, crafting a letter that will go out to you as a congregation asking you to support the ministry. Why do you do that? Some might say the church is a shelter from the storm. That image has been used over the years. We come here to get away from that cultural storm that is out there. It's safe in here. In fact, this room is called a sanctuary, a room away from the attack we feel sometimes in the world out there, a shelter from the storm. Some might say that a church is a hospital for sinners. We bring our broken selves in here so that we might be mended and fixed and returned to our life out there. Hospital for sinners. Some might say that a church is a fellowship of like-minded people. We come here to greet those whom we love, to see smiling faces. I know you can't see them well right now, but they're back there smiling at you and to eat together and enjoy fellowship, a fellowship of like-minded people. Some might say that the church is a political action committee. Oh, no, no, not politics. How would you answer the question, what's the purpose of a church? The text today attempts to answer that question. I want to probe with you at this particular text 
one of the most famous passages in the Old Testament, the story of Yahweh, Yahweh, Jehovah up here, proposing a covenant to the redeemed and saved people of Israel. It's a covenant that is still applicable for us who live in Jesus Christ. Now, many say that this Sinai encampment, you notice that they camped right there before the mountain, which runs from Exodus 19 all the way over to Numbers chapter 10, is the center of the entire Old Testament, much in the way that the death and resurrection of Jesus is the center for the New Testament scriptures. The Old Testament covenant of grace and law takes root from these particular texts, just as the New Testament covenant on the blood of Jesus takes root in the gospel accounts. So this is an important text, the, I would say, most important text that you'll read in the Old Testament. The last two months, to recap the story for you, we've watched as the family of Jacob grows from an extended clan in Egypt and then gets numerous and Pharaoh begins to persecute these people and it, this threatens to undermine the economy of Egypt. We've watched as a young man, a Hebrew by birth, but raised in an Egyptian home, doesn't know who he is, has an identity struggle, and finds his identity when he is found by Yahweh. This same God sends Moses back to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. We like that part. That they may serve me, just as Alex pointed out a few minutes ago. We have watched the battle between Yahweh and Pharaoh, between good and evil, as it's played itself out in these ten signs and wonders and plagues. We have watched as Pharaoh chases them out of Egypt, only to find himself drowned in the sea and at his end. Then we find a providing and a guiding God by the pillar of fire at night and the cloud by day, who rains down uh, bread from heaven and also flesh from heaven and brings water from the rocks to feed them. Finally, these people make their way to the encampment and Sinai where they will now learn what it means to serve Yahweh in the desert. It's like when you were a kid and you took a trip with your parents. Everyone packed into the car. Maybe you had the dog there with you back in those days. You brought your suitcases with you and you sang songs along the way. Maybe you stopped at a roadside restaurant or maybe you stopped at a fast food place. And finally, you get to your destination. You're there. What are you going to do? Or it's like that moment I remember very clearly uh, my wedding day when I came out of the ante room. I call it the bucking chute, where you come out of the ante room and there I was facing down the aisle. Remember this, Alex? And you look down the aisle and there comes your bride. And as your bride is walking towards you or as you are a bride walking towards the groom, you think about your history, how you got to know each other, uh, how you proposed or didn't propose and how that worked out. But there you are. What are you going 
to do. This is what happens when Israel comes to the mountain. This is where you are as a church right now. The preparation is over. Your new pastor is coming in less than a month. What are you going to do? The narrator tells us that Moses goes up the mountain and talks to Yahweh and hears what Yahweh says to Moses. Here's what I want you to tell the Israelites down there off the mountain. I graciously brought you out of Egypt with a strong hand, and I brought you here on eagle's wings flying in. Now, if you want to further this relationship with me, here's what I have in mind. If you will follow what I tell you, did you notice this? If you will follow what I tell you, then you will be a treasured possession of mine, a missional people acting out my holy presence in the rest of the world. In other words, God had a purpose in mind in saving these people, and it didn't end with them. He wants to get them out of the trouble and bring them to himself so that he can send them out to bring everyone out of trouble and bring them to the Lord. The same God says to Abraham, in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And Isaiah, speaking to the people in the exile, said this, you will be a light to the nations that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Now, the Apostle Peter, knowing these texts from his good Jewish upbringing and writing to the exiles in the dispersion, said these words, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that very important turn here. You may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. What a set of marching orders. What a glorious call for the people of God to go out and be a marvelous light amidst the nations. Now, when these people hear the voice of God, a few verses later, they tremble, both at the sound of the voice. They've never heard God speak. And they say, Moses, you go back up there. We don't want to hear that anymore. But they also tremble at the choice that is placed right there in their hands. What are they going to do with this particular choice? What are we going to do when we realize that God has saved us, gotten us out of trouble, brought us out of darkness into marvelous light. What are we going to do? If you were the Israelites, what would have been your response? You hear the voice, you hear what Moses says, he comes down and you're sitting there talking to your brothers and sisters and your mothers and fathers and your kids and you go, what are we gonna reply back? What are we gonna say? Here's some possibilities. They could have told Yahweh this, listen, this is a great idea. 
We appreciate all you did in bringing us out of Egypt. Slavery was, well, miserable, even if we did complain a little bit in the wilderness. You saved us. You guided us. You brought us here. We're finally free from the attack of Egyptian culture. All we heard in Egypt was, worship Pharaoh, embalm the dead, work, work, work. We need some space. We need a little time. We need sanctuary. Let's sit here until those voices stop shouting to us. That's maybe one reply. Here's another one. The Israelites could have told Yahweh, listen, this is a great idea. We appreciate all you did in bringing us out of Egypt. Slavery was miserable, even if we did complain in the desert. You saved us, guided us, and brought us here. But look, let's face it. We are a broken people. We're barely limping along. Slavery was tough. It left scars. We need some counseling. We need a support group. We're going to stay here and rest for a good long while. Sometimes we feel like that. Israel could have told Yahweh, here's another reply. Listen, this is a great idea. We appreciate all you did in bringing us out of Egypt. Slavery was miserable, even if we did complain in the desert. You saved us, guided us, and brought us here. Let's set up some shrines for you, Moses, and Aaron. You know, kind of like a 74,000 square foot building. You can make water flow from the rock. You can feed us on the bread of heaven. Maybe you can even expand the menu a little bit to include whole wheat, sourdough, and focaccia. Maybe you can scare up some prairie chickens and some grouse. We can plant some palm trees. We can dam up the stream, have a little swimming pool there. We can live together here in splendid isolation and enjoyment. It'll be kind of like Palm Springs. These are all tongue-in-cheek, right? These are some of the good but inadequate ways to think about the church. We come to get away from what is out there. I get that. We come to bind up broken wounds. Boy, I get that too. We come to enjoy the fellowship of like-minded people. And isn't that wonderful? These experiences are great. I need sanctuary. I need to hear, in Jesus Christ, I am forgiven. I love to sit around, drink coffee and cake. We're going to do that in a few moments, and I enjoy doing that. But this is neither the main purpose of God in the Old Covenant or the New Covenant. There is more. And the more is this. God has brought you here to bind you up and equip you so that God can go through you back out there and give others the same experience. You are a priestly kingdom. You are a holy nation. Priests represent God to people and a people to God. A holy nation spreads the presence of God among the other nations. 
This is what the covenant ceremony in Exodus teaches. God wants to make this church, First Presbyterian Church, as God has been making this church, into a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. Your next pastor, as they come in here, is going to help you into this next season of what it means for you to be a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. How's that going to happen? Well, look around you. Maybe you're looking around at home. Look at the kind of people that this particular congregation attracts and think about those kinds of people out there in the world. Those are the kinds of people most probably that you're going to be able to influence. God will do weird things, but those are the kinds of people you will probably do best in attracting and affecting. Where do they live? Where do they need a loving family? Where are there people like you that need to be part of a growing fellowship? You have marvelous resources to accomplish this particular task. You have a party going on in here. It's fun. Now it's time to take the party out there and engage the people of this particular community. So, may the spirit of Jesus Christ equip you, affect you, provoke you, lead you as you engage in this next season of ministry in this church. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, as we end today, I think of scenes in the early church. Acts chapter 1, when the disciples sit there looking at heaven and say, what are we going to do next? And then your spirit showed up and said, you ought to go out of here, from Jerusalem to Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. I think of the people in Jerusalem in Acts when the persecution happened and they were scattered throughout the known world at the time so that your word would go out. And I think of this church at this particular time in their history, and a new pastor coming, that this church would be scattered in this community to proclaim your mighty acts and to bring your marvelous light into people's lives who are walking in darkness and need to hear the good word of grace. We pray for this church right now. In your name we pray this, Jesus. Amen. As is our want, after the service, we get to respond, and we've been using some of the great confessions of our church. Today, we're going to use one of the newer confessions in the PCUSA, the Confession of Belhar. It came out of apartheid in South Africa. So please let's stand as we think about the church. <laughs>